You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Psalm chapter 67. Psalm chapter 67, knowing that uh, Stephen was coming and knowing that we were going to uh, enter into a new phase of praying about how we can continue to give uh, the money that's been given to us to, to further Christ's kingdom around the world. Um, I wanted to draw our attention to Psalm chapter 67 because even as Stephen was wrapping up, he mentioned the fact that God blesses us in response to our giving. And I want to talk about how God blesses us and for what purposes he blesses us for. I think Psalm 67 gives us a picture of that. Reading in verse 1, it says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded, yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Our summary sentence this morning is that God blesses his people for the purpose of generating praise amongst all peoples, meaning that God's care and provision, while meant for our good, is ultimately meant to show his goodness to all so that more and more come to him. God blesses his people for the purpose of generating praise among all peoples, meaning that God's care and provision, while meant for our good, is ultimately meant to show his goodness to all so that more and more may come to him. For our kids, God blesses his people to make himself more known to the world. The last several weeks, we've been looking at God's uh, goodness, God's power, and God's love. Uh, And we talked about how God's love is really our personal experience of his goodness and power. It's God's goodness and power being directed towards us in our lives. And so we get to experience God's love, him using his goodness and his power for our benefit. And we're seeing here in Psalm 67 that God does that for a reason. He, he gives us uh, the experiential uh, awareness and knowledge of his goodness and his power to experience his love not just so that we can hold it and contain it ourselves. Uh, It's meant so that we can then show that to other people, ultimately resulting in other people coming to know him too. Psalm 67 is a biblical worldview passage in that it gives us specifically a needed way for us to see aspects of God's world rightly. So when we talk about a biblical worldview, it's how we view life. It's how we view the world. And Psalm 67 challenges us to see Good things that come our way, blessings that come our way, to see that rightly is to see those things as being given to us, to use those things then for his glory, to draw other people to him. So the key truth that you see here in Psalm 67 is that it's critical to understand that God and his purpose for your life is to receive his blessings in order to generate praise amongst all peoples. May God be gracious to us. May God bless us. May God make his face shine upon us. Verse 2, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let's jump right into our text, and and we're going to work through this quickly this morning. Number one, we want to remember that God's blessings are based on grace, not merit. 
God's blessings are based on grace, not merit. Meaning we don't come to God asking for him to do good to us. We don't come to God asking for his blessings upon us as though we deserve it, as though we have earned it, right? The the psalmist here starts off by saying, may God be gracious to us. May God be gracious to us. It's a uh, petition based on the high priestly prayer that's found in Numbers. If you want to flip with me back to Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, as God is establishing the nation of Israel, establishing the priesthood, uh, speaking with Moses and how Aaron and his descendants would carry out the priestly duties, it says in verse 22 of Numbers chapter 6, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. The psalmist most likely has this passage in mind as he begins to write and calls the people of God to sing these truths back to him. Grace is our only hope of receiving good from God. Right? So we've talked about God's power and his goodness. The only way we can receive good from God is if he chooses to be gracious to us. We've said in the past couple of weeks, he's the only source of good. But we need to be good with him in order to receive his goodness. Right? We don't receive God's goodness unless we are good with him. Right? Our relationship with him has to be right in order for him to channel goodness to us. And so we don't come demanding anything from God because what we really deserve from God in our sin, which we saw last week, our corruptness, our wickedness, right? What do we deserve from God? Well, we deserve anything but his blessing. We deserve his condemnation. And yet in his grace, if he chooses to be gracious to us, then we can cry out for his blessing. The idea of blessing you carries a materialistic viewpoint. Right? What's being asked here by the psalmist, what's being asked and desired by the people of God back in Numbers is a, uh, a request for good harvests, for peace, for children, for, for material blessings to be given to the people. We won't take the time this morning to read it, but if you want to jot down Leviticus chapter 26, verses 1 through 13, Leviticus chapter 26, verses 1 through 13, and then Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 14. So in Leviticus 26 and in Deuteronomy 28, both these passages talk about blessings that will come to the people of Israel if they follow God faithfully as they go into the promised land. If they will obey him, if they will follow him, if they will submit to him, if they will follow his ways, if they will fear him, then God will give them these blessings. The psalmist cries and says, be gracious to us, God, bless us. But it's not just the materialist peace that's needed. Number, two, or number one, our grounds for asking anything of God begins with our humble position before God, right? So that, that need for grace, that need for, uh, for God's mercy, for him to give anything to us, we don't deserve it. It's not based on our merit. It's based on his grace. So our grounds for asking anything of God begins with our humble position before him. But number two, our greatest needs from God are tied to our needs for relationship with God. Our greatest needs aren't for him to give us good harvest or to give us children or to give us peace. It's really the idea that comes with making his face to shine upon us. 
The idea of his face shining upon us carries a spiritual viewpoint. We have a need for his face to shine on us, meaning we need for him to look favorably upon us. And with our sin, he cannot, right? He cannot look with us uh, with favor because we're sinful, we're wicked. We saw this last week in Psalm 36. It's only by the work of Jesus Christ. It's only by him coming to be perfect for us, to earn righteousness on our behalf that God could ever have his face shine upon us, right? And so in the Old Testament, even before Christ, God can look favorably upon a Noah. He can look favorably upon an Abraham and a David. In spite of their sin, he looks favorably upon them because Romans 3 says he passed over those sins, looking into the future he knew Christ was to come. Right? But Old Testament, New Testament, wherever you live, whatever, whatever time period, you're a saint of God. You're a saint because not of your work, but because of Christ. May his face shine upon us. This shining face carries the idea of a smiling face or a favorable face. The idea comes up again in Psalm chapter 80. Psalm chapter 80 verse 3 says, Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Verse 7, restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Verse 19, restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. His face shining upon us carries the idea of his salvation extended to us. All because of Christ's coming, we can have his face shine upon us favorably. And we need that saving power to ultimately change us and make us useful once again for his purposes. Because what we're about to see here is that God has purposes. His purposes are for his people or for all peoples to come to a knowledge of him where they are praising him and glorifying him, submitting to him, fearing him. And we don't do that unless we're fixed with salvation, unless God changes us and restores us and rebuilds us. We don't do those things. God's blessings that we're going to see today are based upon his grace not our merit, right? So the psalmist says, may God be gracious to us. May he bless us, make his face shine upon us. And then that word selah is thrown in there and it causes a pause in the song. It causes a pause of reflection before the next piece comes, right? It's an interesting place for it to be thrown into. As the psalmist is crying out for God's favor and his grace and his blessing for both material and spiritual blessings, there's a pause, We're asking for God's blessing, and then Selah, we pause, and the purpose of that pause is to make sure that our mindset is right. Are we asking for these blessings for the right purposes? And the purpose that we see for God's blessing is found in verse 2, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Right? We're told in the New Testament that there's times when we, we don't have because we don't ask, but then other times we don't have because we asked with the wrong purposes. Right? Like We want things for our own personal gain, not for God's. Right? And what this psalm is telling us here is that we can cry out confidently, asking for God's blessing, asking for him to give to us if our perspective is right. If our perspective is to make his way known on this earth, to make his saving power known, amongst the nations. Number two, remember God's blessings are personal to be missional. God's blessings are personal to be missional. Be gracious to me, God. Bless me, God. Make your face shine upon me, God. Why? 
verse 2, that your way may be known so that the idea here is that God has a purpose behind his blessing. God blesses his people to generate praise amongst all peoples. That's what's going on here. God is blessing his people to generate more praise from all peoples. He wants his goodness and his power to become known. Remember, David highlighted these two things. It's how he goes through life confidently. Why? Because he knows that he has a refuge in God. He knows that God possesses that power. He knows that God gives goodness. He's the only source for good. And so David comes running to God, knowing that he finds a powerful God and a good God. God says, I want all the world to know this about me. I want all the world to know my ways I want all of the world to know my power, that your way may be known on earth, that your saving power would be known amongst all nations. He wants to be known. He wants to be enjoyed. He wants to be feared, which leads to praise from all peoples. That's the idea of Psalm 67. This is what God wants. This is what God desires. He wants to be known and enjoyed and feared and praised by his people and by all peoples. Therefore, our praise to him is meant to generate a desire in others to have similar reasons to praise him, right? So we, we, we receive blessings from God, and when we are quick to praise him for that, well, that draws attention to the world around us as to where we see the source for that goodness coming to us. We praise so that others will be drawn to praise too. And his desire is that all peoples, Peoples from the north and from the south, east and west, rich and poor, young and old, dark-skinned and light-skinned, urban and rural, every tribe, every nation, and every tongue would come to praise him. John Piper says in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, which is based on this passage, the goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. God says, I want you to know me as great, right? And I want you to enjoy that greatness. I want you to find favor in that greatness. And I want that greatness to be known as I show my greatness to my people, and then others are drawn to me as a result. It's the idea of when you enjoy something, you find great enjoyment by pulling other people into that enjoyment, right? Uh, I remember when we were watching the um, college football championship this year, right? Like some of us had talked about getting together and watching it, and we'd experienced enough heartache where we decided we're not going to do that for the most part. And so everybody was kind of broken up and watching the game by themselves, and everything seems to be going our way, and and I'm still not willing to celebrate until that last interception that kind of sealed it. And immediately, immediately my thought was, get my family up because they're all sleeping. They need to enjoy this with me. Right, so I'm running through the house and I'm yelling at everybody, get up, get up, get up, come in here. And so they're all kind of like, what's happening? I'm calling James and we're FaceTiming. We're trying to celebrate together. Why? Because there's enjoyment when you're enjoying something and you're able to bring other people into that enjoyment too. That's what's happening here in Psalm 67. God says, enjoy me, right? Enjoy my power, enjoy my goodness, enjoy the blessings that I'm giving to you, but do it in such a way where you draw other people into that. And this has always been the plan, right? Sometimes we mistakenly think that in the Old Testament, God was all about Israel and not about anybody else. And that that plan failed in some way. And so in the New Testament, he turns his attention to everybody else. And that's just not the case, right? You read through the Old Testament and you find it was always God's plan to draw nations to himself 
through Israel. Think about it. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the Abrahamic covenant is given. God makes a promise to Abraham, and he says, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the world, right? The idea there being that Christ would eventually come through Abraham as the chosen individual who would grow into the chosen nation, that the Messiah would come through. Our understanding of God and how he works towards his people is grounded in how he's working through Israel in the Old Testament. God blesses Abraham, blesses his descendants, but not just for them. He does so so that they can be a blessing to all nations. He makes the same promise to Isaac in Genesis 26, to Jacob in Genesis 28. I'm going to bless you, but not just for you. I'm going to bless you for me, because by blessing you, you're going to bless others, and they are going to come to me, God says. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, as God gives the law to his people. He's calling them to live a certain way, right? right? Here come the rules from God, right? And that usually makes us cringe because we say, here we go. Here's where God is not good because he's got rules and laws that we have to obey. Look what the purpose is for this. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse five. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them for that will be your wisdom, and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? What's Moses saying here? He says, look, if you'll do this right, if you will follow God's laws and commands, you will go into this land where people are doing anything but these laws and your nation will grow and will be different and it will thrive. And then the rest of the nations will look and say, what a wise and understanding God they must follow because he calls them to a way of life that is far superior to what we are experiencing in our own. But here's where it gets convoluted and messed up is that we as God's people don't live according to his laws and yet we claim to, right? And so we claim to be obedient to him and yet we're not. And so we don't experience the the full fruit of what it looks like to follow him. And so the world looks and says, why would I do what you do? Because I don't see any, I don't see any difference, right? I don't see any difference. God calls us to be different, to draw people to himself, Joshua 2.8, God's blessing Israel. He's giving them Canaan. He's giving them Jericho specifically. Rahab clues in on this and says, hey, I want to go with you. I see your power, your God's power. I want to know if he's a good God. And the spies say, come on and find out that he is, right? In Ruth chapter one, Christ, his, 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 his future lineage, right, is found in, in, the, in the line of Ruth. Ruth's a Moabite, like she's not even part of Israel. God brings a famine so that, uh, so that Naomi's family leaves Israel, goes to Moab. Her kids get married. One of them marries Ruth. They die off. Ruth says, I'm going back with you to Israel. I want to be a part of what you're a part of. I want to follow your God. This has always been God's plan to include the nations. Daniel chapter 3, Daniel chapter 6, Nebuchadnezzar and Darius, right? Um, Babylon. The Medes and the Persians, 
These two great kings have to submit themselves to God because they have no other choice as they see his power. As Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are delivered from the fiery furnace, as Daniel is delivered from the lion's den, they they can't help but cry out to God and give him praise for his goodness and his power. In the Gospels, we see Matthew chapter 28, Luke chapter 24, Acts chapter 1, this global witness that we're to go and make disciples of all nations. The New Testament letters of Galatians 1, Romans 15, both these passages, Paul talks about going to the Gentiles, going to those who have never heard. Stephen talked about going to this area of the city where there was no Protestant evangelical church to be, to be, to be heard from, right? We're to go and we're to preach Christ to all those who don't know, realizing that in Revelation 7, it will be fulfilled. It will work. Every tribe, nation, and tongue will be represented. But here's the thing, if we don't maintain, if we don't maintain a biblical worldview, we will disconnect the provisions of God in our life from the purposes he has for those provisions. If we don't keep this biblical worldview, we'll disconnect the fact that God gives to us for a purpose, that God blesses us not just to to make life more enjoyable here, he blesses us so that we can then point others to him which means God has given me what he has given me for the spread of his worship in this world. So think about what God has blessed you with, right? The the career that you have, the house that you have, the car that you have, the kids that you have, the spouse that you don't have, the kids that you don't have, the career that you don't have. What he has given to you, he has given to you for the purpose of spreading his worship in the world. God has withheld from me what he has withheld from me for the spread of worship in this world. Because here's the thing, God doesn't bless all of us equally so that the nations look and say, oh, if I come to follow that God, then I get a spouse and I get a career and I get a car and I get a house and I get kids and I get this and this and this and this. No, he wants the world to look at us in the diversity of blessings that we receive, knowing that, hey, I'm gonna come follow him and I may die for him because some of the people that follow him die for him, right? To be able to see a level of contentment with whatever lot line is given to us, right? Whatever plot line is given to us, to see a group of people praising him, praising him for his blessings, pointing others to his goodness and his power, Number one here, God grants us blessings so that the world can better understand his ways. He gives us blessings so that the world can understand his ways. I already talked about the fact that sometimes we confuse that message because we're not different enough from the world. But his goodness is to be known through the ways he is good to his people, the ways that he cares for us and the rules and laws that he calls us to live by. The ways that we're to be good to each other The Bible says that that our love for each other should draw the world, right? Israel and the church are meant to show the fruit of living by his ways. Look at this quote from uh, Christopher Ashe from the book Psalms for You. He says, Israel was to be the living visual aid for the rest of the world that exhibited the beautiful providential sovereignty and government of God that brings moral order and life to a needy world. That's what Israel was supposed to be. When the rest of the world looked at the people of God, the way they cared for their land, the poor, each other in love, the immigrant, the way they cared for their marriages, 
the contentedness that was so different in the covetousness around them, then the rest of the world would grasp that there is a good, just, kind, moral, ordered God who is sovereign and working out his purposes in a disordered world. And that has not changed for the church in the New Testament. This is what we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be so different from everybody else in this land that when they look into, they take a peek into our life, they see that we approach money way differently, that we're willing to give it away to further the kingdom. That when they look into our families, they see marriages where the commitment level exceeds any love story that this world could ever come up with. Because we're bought into the idea that as Christ loved the church, we will love each other as husband and wife. Radically different, right? The world is supposed to look at our life and say, what a wise and understanding way to live. Where do they get that from? Where do they get the notion to live this way? We point them to God's word and we say, God has revealed it to us. When God works to bless a people, others will see the beauty of God's kindness and some will be stirred to desire what they see. We're supposed to live in such a way where others are drawn to God. Bless us. Be gracious to us. Let your face shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, that your saving power would be known amongst all the nations. Verse three, so that the peoples will praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Number two, God grants us blessings so that the world can better understand its needs. His power is to be known through the ways that his people trust in his care. This is particularly when we don't get the things that we want. That we can see, that the world can see the power of how he cares for us through difficulties and trials. When the world sees the covenant people of God trusting in the covenant care of God, some will be attracted to what they see. God's blessings, they're personal. They are meant for you, but they are meant to be done with something, right? They are meant to be done and used in a missional way. God gives to you so that you can use those things to draw others to him. Number three, remember God's blessings are ultimately him, not the stuff that he gives to us. Right? The greatest blessing that comes from God is that his face shines upon us, that we have right relationship with him. Number one, we find gladness in God's commitment to justice, righteousness, and salvation. Look what it says in verse four. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon the earth. Our message is that he is both judge and savior. He's bringing justice, righteousness, and salvation. He's bringing all of these things as this great judge and savior. His judgment is coming, yes, and the world needs to know that he is coming to judge sin. And we are all wicked and deserving of that. But he also comes in such a way that he is savior, where we can be pardoned by him from him. He does what is right for the people he has chosen to embrace with his love. This is why the world should submit to him, not because of the stuff that he will give to them, but because he does everything right. He does everything just. He does everything with a mindset of saving. He does what is right for the people he's chosen to embrace with his love. We should be examples of that. People should look into our life and see God interacting with us that way and us acknowledging that he's doing so and be drawn to him through that. 
Number two, we find gladness in God's command of past, present, and future events. He's not just judge and savior, but he is the king. He is the guider of the nations upon the earth, verse four tells us. Our message is that he is judge and savior, but also that he is king, meaning that his rule extends over all of life's circumstances. The nations can't be glad until they are really under his care. We can't really be glad as this verse talks about. We can't really enjoy this world and be glad and satisfied and content until we place ourselves under his care because he is the source of all goodness. He does what is good for the people he has chosen to embrace with his love. We need all to be under his care so that sin decreases. Romans 1 tells us that sin increases when man refuses to worship him, refuses to follow him, and instead runs after other gods, right? We should be motivated to help others see him because as others see him and come under his rule and under his care, it radically changes this world. So God's goal, to wrap up, God's goal is to be known, to be enjoyed, to be feared, and to be praised by all. He blesses his people to ensure more come to this same experience. He is gloried by nations when nations understand the benefits of being governed and guided by him, which they see by looking at his people. Let me say that again. He is glorified by the nations when the nations understand these benefits of being governed and guided by him, and they understand the benefits by looking to our life. And here's the thing. When we start grumbling and complaining about our plot lines, we start grumbling and complaining about our circumstances, we start to throw, we start to throw veils over God's glory. Because as the world looks at us and says, oh, how are they going to respond to not getting that job, to not having that spouse, to not having that child? When we start grumbling and complaining and doubting God's goodness, we are, we are veiling his glory in a sense. We are, we are drawing attention away from him. We are confirming what the skeptical world would say. He's not good. He's not loving. We're backing up the enemy's message that God doesn't care. No, when we are able to cease with our grumbling and complaining and say, I trust you, God. I trust you. Wherever the plot lines fall, I trust you. I believe in your goodness. Then the world looks and says, how do you live that way? How can you trust that? I need to know more about that. This purpose that we're seeing here of God blessing us so that he can ultimately bless the world, it must captivate our lives. Because think about it. The blessings are meant to flow to us when we understand how those blessings are to be used. So it's fair to say, the more we understand rightly how to use God's blessings, the more willing he is to dispense those blessings to us, right? Because they're not, they're not motivated out of selfish gain and selfish desires, right? So if, I'm this, if, I'm, if I've bought into this idea of, of desiring God's grace, and I've bought into this desire to see his name made great. Why would God not give me all the blessings of this world to use for his glory? Right? It's not, it's not, a, it's not a, a cheat code for getting everything in this world, right? Like you don't get to cheat God into giving you stuff that you can then just enjoy and be selfishly content with it. No, but when our heart is made right and we say, God, whatever you give me, I'm gonna use it for your glory that's the type of individual God wants to give to, right? To make his name great. Because he says, be gracious to me, give, bless. Why? So that your way may be known on the earth. Your saving power amongst all the nations. John Piper says, 
If God blesses his people for the sake of the nations, then God is most likely to bless us when we are planning and longing and praying to bless the nations. If God blesses his people for this purpose, for the sake of the nations, then God is most likely to bless us when we are planning and longing and praying to bless the nations. Two points of application to close today. Number one, we need to pray. As the psalmist calls us to in this song, we need to pray that we may own more of God's goodness with the goal of leveraging it for gospel purposes, right? Pray, pray for God's goodness in your life. Pray for God's blessing in your life, not so you can enjoy this world more, but so that others can come to enjoy him more, right? Pray for that in your life. Pray that God will give to you, that God's goodness will be made evident to you so that others will see God's goodness in your life with the goal of leveraging it for gospel purposes. Number two, praise him more quickly for those provisions so that others will see your trust in him. Pray for these things and then praise him for these things. So that as God gives you a new career, gives you a job that you've been desiring, your first immediate thought should be, how will this benefit the gospel? How am I going to use this for his kingdom? Not how am I going to use this to benefit my family? There'll be benefits to your family for sure, right? I love when I hear families talking about uh, the the idea of looking to purchase a certain house. And the the first thing that's rolling off their lips is how they plan to use it for ministry. Right? This will give us more space to, to potentially host a small group down the road. Or, or this gives us a way to be more hospitable because we can have more people. We can fit more people in our house. Right? That's gospel-mindedness when it comes to the things that God is giving to us. Right? The increase in, our, in our, um, our salaries with the potential to be able to give more to others. That should be our initial reaction. Based on Psalm 67, God, bless God, show grace. Let your face shine upon me favorably. Why? Because I want to be a part of your plan to make your ways known on this earth, to make your saving grace known to others. It's a biblical worldview to see it this way. The world would say we desire stuff to make us happy. The Bible would say that's not how it works. The Bible would say that God gives blessing materially and spiritually, right? Because we're saying that, that ultimately it's about being with God, not the stuff that he gives. Right? The ultimate blessing, and this is true for all of us, regardless of the blessings that we have. What is true for all of us is that we possess right relationship with him, which means he's our, our judge and our king, which means he vindicates us, he saves us, he rules and reigns over us, and that gives us great security gives us great security because as things come and go, as things are given and taken from us, we can keep worshiping him. Keep worshiping him. And that's when, the, that's when the lost world looks and says, that is wise and understanding, and I don't understand it. I don't get it. I need you to tell me more about that. Right? When we grumble and complain, the questions don't come. When we have a hope that defies logic, that's when the Bible says, be ready to give an answer for your hope. Be ready to give a reason for why you live the way that you do because this is your opportunity to be a witness for me. This is a way for you to point others to me. Let the nations be glad in me. It starts with us being glad in him. And as we are more and more glad in him, the nations come calling as well. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We thank you and we praise you 
for the goodness of this passage. We thank you for how it, it ties into what we've even heard from Stephen and his family and the journey they've been on. Lord, we thank you that you have given to our church in such a way where we've been able to give back. We've been able to give so that the nations can be glad, so that people who have never heard of you could hear about you through these kids' clubs and these social opportunities, these conversations, these English classes, this, this ministry center, this church plant. God, we're thankful that we've been able to be a part of that. Thank you for giving in such a way that we could give out of our excess so that others may know. Lord, we're asking for your continued grace, your continued grace to bless us, not, not so that we can selfishly enjoy this world. Lord, help us to keep a heavenly mindset that this world and what it offers pales in comparison to what we long to enjoy down the road. But God, help us to see that blessings today are purposeful by you. You bless us with the things that you give to us so that others look and long to be in relationship with you too. You withhold things from us and call us to contentment so that others will look and see and long for an understanding of how How can you go without and still be praising that God of yours? God, give us a desire for the nations to be glad in you. Give us a desire to use the things that you bless us with for gospel purposes. God, help us to model to others what it looks like to be submitted to a sovereign, just, righteous, judge, savior, king, Lord, minimize our grumbling and complaining. Help us to see the opportunities around us that every single one of us gets to be a witness for you. Whether we ever go to the mission field or not, every one of us walks out today as an opportunity to be a witness for you. Help us to witness well. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.